Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, Throwing Shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com EFCT and become a subscriber for shoutouts. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade. There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? Shade knows. By day, Theodore Rockwell was a go-get'em reporter for the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. But by night, he becomes Shade. Wait, does anybody else notice that? Something feels off about this whole intro. I can't put my finger on it, but... Wait, did they? <gasps> they did! They went and changed the theme song! For the heads up, you think they tell somebody? Now my flow is completely disrupted. How am I supposed to? What? How many people online have wanted my job? <laughs> like I said, love the new theme song. Ain't nothing wrong with change for change's sake. Now, where was I? Oh, right. Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocent from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? Find out in the season three premiere, Throwing Shade. And continuing the theme of change for the heck of it, we are unsurprised to announce a new sponsor. While there was nothing wrong with Manco Flakes, it turns out consumers had a hard time remembering if they had eaten them or not, which caused a number of them to eat five or six bowls in a day leading to an unprecedented drain on household finances across the country, threatening to usher in a new depression. And since we are done with this one yet, Generic Mills voluntarily pulled Manco Flakes off the market. So we here at Throwing Shade are happy to welcome the fine folks at, well, would you believe it? The Wellprim School for Music and Literacy. Education so good, it's criminal. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater. Bringing you high quality 1930s radio style satire since... Welcome to season three. It seems like just half a year ago we started season one. Previously on Throwing Shade... And now, on to our story. Act 1, Scene 1. A View to a Spill. 
one of the mayoral candidates is itching for a win, so to speak. In the intervening weeks since our heroes, Theodore Rockwell and his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, had narrowly escaped the overly aggressive matchmaking attempts of their parents, they had noticed a definite increase in strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents targeting those with a left-leaning bent. Good evening, Mr. and Miss America and all the ships at sea. This is Orson Wales with the news. There has been a definite increase in strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents targeting those with a left-leaning bent. Yesterday, a meeting of the fringe extremist group Very Agitated Girls Instigating Nefarious Activities was cut short when keynote speaker, well-known agitator Frankie Perkins, had her speech interrupted by an odor witnesses described as, quote, a combination of rotten eggs, weak old fish, and despair, unquote. While there is no confirmed source for the offending stench, Miss Perkins has been documented eating food in a highly unladylike portion, and reports are coming in that she was, in fact, the one who first smelt it. Listeners can draw their own conclusions from there. Earlier today, Union thug Jimmy Hofstra, in an attempt to repair his damaged reputation after last month's kick-me-sign scandal, scheduled an address to the combined membership of the AFO and CIL. Mr. Hofstra somehow managed to appear on stage in a suit that was both too large and too small. Any message he may have tried to communicate was lost in the thunderous laughter in response to the sight of his bright pink sock garters. Mr. Hofstra could not be reached for comment, and is believed he has fled to the wilds of Iowa. And in international news, a coalition of no-good Batinskis from other countries protesting the legitimate authority of the German government were embarrassed when it turned out all their German-language picket signs had been replaced with signs bearing messages such as, quote, I don't know what my sign says, and I am a jelly donut, unquote. It is reported that the gaffe was so egregious, the German people actually laughed. I'm Orson Welles, and that's the news. Tune in every day for unbiased and fairly balanced reports. See, Theo? What did I tell you? A definite increase in strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents. And every victim leaned left. That must make it hard for them to buy trousers. <laughs> a smack and demerits? That was highly inappropriate. There's a lady present. Oh, apologize to her, would you? Oh, well, you certainly got a chicken's attitude. What? You're in a foul mood. I swear I will hit you with this typewriter. All right, all right, I surrender. But you do seem to be a bit more, um, violently agitated than usual. I'm frustrated. You and I, and the Shade and the Vamp, have tried to discover who's behind these bizarre attacks. And the best lead we've been able to find is that some people report seeing a man of medium height, medium build, with medium brown hair wearing a medium brown suit at the scene of all the attacks. Honestly, I think we need... A medium? I think we need help. What? Ridiculous. We've never needed help before. We've also never faced anything this big before. Where are we going to find help? 
We can't just walk up to people and say, hello, we're the shade and the vamp. Would you mind assisting us in rooting out a global organization bent on humiliating do-gooders? That's true, I suppose. And we can't get any help here at work. Clemens refuses to even accept this is a story worth following up on. So where is the help going to come from? The answer to that question came sooner than they expected when Mayor Crane called a press conference that took place on the steps of City Hall. I have a lot of questions to ask you. I need to ask some shouted questions. Gentlemen of the press. And Puddles. Hello. And Miss Morning. Thank you. I have called you all here because it has come to my attention that there has been a definite increase in strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents targeting those with a left-leaning bent. Dad must make it hard to buy trousers. I notice you're not smacking him. He's too far away, but he's on the list. I want to state, here and now, that these actions are truly reprehensible. Silencing the opinions of others, no matter how wrong-headed they may be, is never the right thing to do. It's almost laudable the way Mayor Crane can turn even ethics into an insult. And to prove that my condemnation is genuine, I have invited my opponent in the upcoming mayoral election, Eugene Gompers Crankshank, an unfortunate victim of one of these heinous attacks, to come join us. Eugene, come on out. Eugene, we're waiting. I hope he isn't this late to the election. <laughs> ah, here he comes now. Everyone, I give you Rosa Honeysuckle. Hola. Rosa, have you taken Eugene Gampas Crookshank's place as Mayor Crane's opponent in this upcoming mayoral election? Well, you see, he... Wait just a moment. Rosa, what do you think your chances are of becoming Chicago's mayor, given that you are both a woman and an alien? Oh. This is all a huge... I will have you know that I was born on this planet, okay? What? I am not going to dignify that with a response. Please, everyone, calm down. Rosa Honeysuckle is not running for mayor. I mean, the very idea. <laughs> you aren't, are you? And put up with these tontos? Not on your life. I just came out here to tell you that Senor Crookshanks won't come out. What? Why ever not? He says he won't come out as long as Puddles is here. What? Jess, you. He doesn't trust you. Puddles makes a good argument. He does? Are you seriously telling me you can understand him? How could you not? He's obviously upset about a politician restricting access of the press. He's a dog! He can't... You know what? Never mind. It's fine. I wonder if that coal miner still has both lungs. Mr. Honeysuckle, you tell Mr. Crookshank he's got nothing to worry about. Puddles here are gonna be on his best behavior. Ain't that right, the Puddles? 
Okay, I'll tell him. But don't get your hopes up. He hasn't left Albania all morning. I had no idea he could play one of those. Tell him to bring it away with him. We could all use some music. You can't seriously be giving him points for that. In all fairness, it's one of the least painful cannoliisms he's come up with. Plus, it works on multiple levels. It does? Yep. Number one and number two. I hope you're going to give yourself the merits for that. I'm adorable. Look, here he comes. Thank you, everyone. I do apologize for my reluctance, but one can never be too careful with these vandals running amok. Eugene! Alderman Crookshank. Of course. <laughs> Eugene, as the present and most likely future mayor of Chicago, I can assure you that I am insisting on a full-scale investigation into these terrible occurrences. Isn't that right, Rosa? Oh, see, the mayor definitely hopes to be the future mayor of Chicago. No, Rosa, I, I mean the second part. The investigation, remember? Oh, see, the mayor is very glad the investigation cleared him on account of there being no witnesses. Rosa! Besides, we all know that if the mayor does it, it's not illegal. Thank you, Rosa. <laughs> that will be all. <laughs> we'll discuss this later. <laughs> Whatever you say, Mr. Mayor. Maybe then you'll be more willing to discuss the raise I was asking for earlier. Adios! As Rosa returned to City Hall, all attention turned to Mayor Crane. So it was understandable that even Eugene Gompers Crookshank himself didn't fully pay attention to the construction worker that came up and shook his hand with a particularly dusty glove. I want to wish you a lot of luck, Alderman. Glad to see somebody's looking out for the little guy. Thank you? If we could possibly focus on the matter at hand... Exactly what is the matter at hand, Mr. Rockwell? Don't ask me, Miss Morning. I've been at a loss ever since Rosa mentioned the Lone Ranger's trusty sidekick. Chief Cannoli, please tell us what your department is doing to combat this menace. I can tell you we've taken this very seriously. We have raided several joker shops and pulled in every younger boy between the ages of a six and a fourteen for questioning. I assure you, Mr. Krukashank, the Chicago Police Department has left no scone unburned. Did he just... He did. Should we? Nope. Let it pass. <laughs> Eugene Gompers Crookshank, usually a stickler for correct idiom usage, was unfortunately not able to make any response. His nerves had caused him to wipe the back of his neck with the same hand which had been shaken by the mysterious stranger. That same nervous sweat had transferred some of that dust down his back. Of course, the crowd hadn't seen any of that. What they did see 
was the mayoral candidate jumping, twisting, and contorting himself as he tried to reach the itch in the middle of his back. <laughs> wow, looks like old Crookshank's really taken by the spirit. Spirits is more like it. Had an uncle that made those same noises every morning when he tried to get dressed, in clothes he was already wearing from the night before. Looks like he's got the herky-jerkies. Fellas, a little decorum. You can't say that. There's a lady present. It's inappropriate. Sorry, Rockwell. Yeah, sorry, Wednesday. I should have said he had the heebie-jeebies. Much better. Can we please focus on poor Mr. Crookshank? By this time, poor Mr. Crookshank had twisted, turned, and generally flailed his way dangerously close to the edge of City Hall's most comically long front flight of stairs. Eugene, look out! That flight of stairs is almost comically long. I hope he's... Has he reached the bottom? I can send the puddles to go find out. <laughs> well, at least that's over. I'm all right. I'm all right. But I could use a back scratcher. Oh, and an ambulance. This is an outer age. I'm a telling you now. I'm a getting to the bottom of this if I have a gotta pull in every jovial delinquent in a da city. Did he just say? Yes, he did. Should we? A juvenile. Someone already did. Huh? It's juvenile delinquent, not jovial. Nah, that don't make no sense. They's always playing a practical jokes and a laughing at the people, so they's obviously jovial. Juvenile is just a place in Egypt. Before Mayor Crane could reply, a number of angry young voices were heard. Hey, I've got something to say, and I ain't leaving till I says it. What's going on? It appears City Hall is being invaded by Egyptians. Egyptians? Juveniles. I hate you. Please, please, a little decorum. I could get her some streamers and a balloons, but it don't really seem like at the right time for that. I'm here exercising my confrontational right to protest. Ain't that right, gang? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Four youngsters mounted the stairs. Pardon us, mister. No problem, young lady. I'm fine. But before you go, do you think you could scratch my back? Typical politician, you scratch my back. Why, it's all a decent commotion. You little troublemakers need to move on. We ain't going no place. We're tired of the police hassling us. Yeah, we've been arrested four times. And the worst part was, it was for stuff we ain't even did. 
Won't somebody please think of the children? Carla, pipe down. I let you come along on account of arugula here, throwing a conniption. If I don't, but this is fella's business. Now, hold on there just a minute there, Spunky. You can't talk to Carla like that. She's a classy dame. Thank you, arugula. It's nice to see somebody around here knows how to treat a lady. And to the point, I feel all jumpy this close to a cop. Samalina's right. We want the police to stop rounding us up indiscriminately. Wait a just a minute. I'll round you up no matter who you are. Cannoli don't indiscriminate against nobody. Chief Cannoli, you can't seriously believe children are behind this. Why not? They all childish pranks. Yeah, and face it, kids ain't got no respect for nobody no more. That's right, and that's just plain old scientific fact borne out by incredibly limited anecdotal evidence. I had to take an anecdote once when the snake bit me. Remember, Spunky? That's true. Came right up and bit him in the park. I thought it was his ankle. He was very brave. Yeah, I was. After the crying. I was trying to flush out the poison. But then I remembered the anecdote. Three raw eggs, hot sauce, and tobacco. Fellas, I told you this before. It's antidote. Anecdote is just a short story. This is why nobody likes you, Carla. People don't like when you know things. That's true. Our readership proves it. Can we please remember that in all the incidents that have happened, the one person everybody remembers seeing at the scene is an adult? That's hearsay. And we would never print hearsay. Unless it was profitable. Well, obviously. Fellas, Wednesday's right. It makes no sense that a group of kids could pull this off and everyone reports seeing the same anonymous adult. Good thinking, Wednesday. Good thinking, Rockwell. But she... Say hello to your future, kiddo. With this new information, I pledge to put the full power and authority of my office behind the finding of the perpetrators of these heinous acts. Mr. Mayor? Yes, Rosa? The office has been getting several calls complaining about a vagrant sleeping on the steps of City Hall. That would be me, still waiting for someone to call an ambulance. No hurry. I shall now go and call help for my opponent, who lacks the gumption to help himself. You may quote me on that. Please follow me and get a photo of me calling the ambulance. Wait, wait, we have more questions. I better go make the call for him. Every time the operator tells him to hold the line, he grabs the phone cord and tries talking into a swinging receiver. After throwing sidelong glances over at Theo and Wednesday, the four children approached as a group. We talked it over, and even though our motto is never trust anybody over ten, you guys is all right. Yeah. Nobody else is taking us seriously. Yeah, they just write us off. So if you need any help finding out what's going on, 
we're available for detecting work. Kids, I think that's a... Brilliant idea! Brilliant idea. I was just about to say a brilliant idea. Why exactly is it a brilliant idea? These kids can go places we can't because people take no notice of them. It's true. They completely ignore us. Ignore you, maybe. What are you talking about, Semolina? Every time we go to Woolworth's lunch counter, people act like they can't see you at all. They can be our very own Baker Street Irregulars. Where's Baker Street? It, it's a reference. And if they're irregular, I suggest more roughage. <sighs> now what are you typing? A book list. For you. Well, I must admit, the idea has merit. All right, young urchins, you're on the team. I'm Theodore Rockwell, and this is my girl Friday, Wednesday morning. Who is she the rest of the week? No, no, no. My name is Wednesday morning. I'm Carla. This is Spunky. Hi. Arugula. I'm her boyfriend. Not my boyfriend. And this is Semolina. Pleased to be making your acquaintance. We have to go back to the Chicago Gazette Times, Herald, but there is something you can do for us. Interrogate the bad guys? Storm the battlements? Sneak around some warehouses? Bake some cookies? What? 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 <sighs> Girls. Don't blame me. My mother won't let me listen to things like the masked marauder. She insists I only listen to the barely contented homemaker. Hang around places where the people fighting for progress meet and talk. Keep an eye out for an average-looking man who seems shifty. If you see him, just follow him to wherever he's staying. Then come tell us. Fine by me. Be nice to be following an average white man for once. Steady the other way around. And one more thing. What? what? Get Mr. Crookshank a pillow. I think he's going to be here a while. Thank you. Act 1, Scene 2. On His Majesty's Secret Service. Theo and Wednesday are drafted for king and country. A short time later, Theo and Wednesday arrived at the offices of the Chicago Gazette Times Herald and made their way toward Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens' office but they were immediately intercepted by an extremely agitated Wally Winchell. Theo! Wednesday! Wally, what's the matter? You seem extremely agitated. I am. You may have noticed that there is a definite increase in strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents targeted at those with a left-leaning bent. Can someone have a bent that leans? I mean, surely, if it's a bent, then it's, you know, bent. A lean would imply no bend. You, my dear Rockwell, are like a train without a driver. How so? Off track. You're proud of yourself for that one, aren't you? Yes. Yes, I am. Isn't it tiring being this witty all the time? We all have our bears to cross. Wow, I think Chief Cannoli is rubbing off on me. What's your news, Wally? There's been an increase in incidents around the world as well. British Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin's car has had sugar placed in its gas tank, his house has been egged, and someone slipped a rude limerick about the king into his speech before the House of Lords. He's been thoroughly humiliated. That's awful. 
We have to do something. I already have. You, you have? have? I've written a strongly worded editorial for my column condemning these acts and insisting they be taken seriously by the authorities. In short, these incidents are quite disturbing, and it is this reporter's opinion that the authorities at every level need to think long and hard about whether their responses have been as effective as they could be. Well, that was certainly uh, strongly worded. I realize it's rather strident, but in times of crisis, civility must be sacrificed in order to speak truth to power. You don't think I went too far, do you? Oh, no. No. Not at all. Struck just the right tone. Because I don't want people thinking I'm some sort of Bolshevik. No chance of that. Excellent. Well, I'm off. You certainly are. So, since the rest of the world is being ably saved by Wally, what should we do? Hopefully, we can convince Mr. Clemens to allow us to officially investigate these incidents. It's not easy to uncover criminal conspiracies part-time. True. It'd be much easier if we could be the Shade and the Vamp full-time. Only one problem. Money. I don't know about your landlord, but Mrs. Novotna doesn't accept good deeds as rent payment. Maybe a general fund all citizens pay into for the good of everyone. You know, like they do for policemen, firemen... Ask the American public to pay for the good of others? <laughs> I can just hear Mr. Clemens now. Great Caesar salad, taking money from everyone to make everyone better off? This is America! All we need are bootstraps and gumption! Rockwell! Morning! Ah! Get in here! Yes, yes Chief. Mr. Clemens! You think he heard us? I'm sure it was just a coincidence. A terrifying, pants-dampening coincidence. What do you think of it? Oh, spot on. Oh, thanks. I've been working on it for a while now, and I... Now! Coming! Theo and Wednesday saw Mr. Clemens behind his desk, angrily shuffling papers. While an impeccably well-dressed and well-groomed man stood in a corner, looking amused. Who's that fellow in the corner looking amused? I don't know. I don't know. But he's certainly impeccably well-dressed. Look at that tux. Might be a bit much for ten in the morning, but you can't deny it's impeccable. And he's so well-groomed. You can tell that just by looking at him? You can't. I've never had any reason to know how to spot a married man just by sight. What are you... Oh, I see what you did there. What's that? I'm reminding myself to call you a doctor. Why? In case you pulled something reaching for that joke. Rockwell, morning! If I could tear you away from your signature witty banter, did you know there's been a definite increase in strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents targeting those with a left-leaning bent? We did hear something about it, yes. Great Caesar salad! Why didn't anybody tell me? We did mention it, Mr. Clemens. What? When? Back when Trina was working here. Who? Trina Love. Oh, right. Her. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> anyway, apparently this has gone from annoying to serious. So serious, it's happening around the globe. We know, Chief. 
Really? Why didn't anybody tell me? We did. Oh, well, more specifically, Wally did. Wally? Yep. I wonder why I never heard it. Probably damaged your hearing from all that yelling. Could be, but I think it's more likely I damaged my hearing from all the yelling. Incisive, Chief. Anyway, I just got a letter from the mayor. And the British Embassy. Asking us to do everything we can to help, um, uh, who are you again? I'm Flemish. A hot toddy would help with that. Stay away from Derry. No, you don't understand. The name's Flemish. Ian Flemish. What was that? What was what? Never mind. I'm on His Majesty's Secret Service. Nice to meet you, Ian. I'm... Theodore Rockwell, the Chicago Gazette Times Herald's top reporter. Yes? I am? I mean, I am! And this is your most able assistant, Miss Wednesday Morning. I must say, my dear, that while the reports about you mentioned your intellect, wit, and extraordinarily strong neck, they failed to mention your dazzling beauty. <laughs> She's gonna get whiplash getting her head turned that fast. Be glad he doesn't have a dimple. Lord Flematic here. Flemish, and no need for titles. I am not landed gentry. Did you land hard, then? Serious demerits. That could have caused an international incident. I see your wit, Mr. Rockwell, is just as described. Thank you. I think. As I was saying, Flemish here tracked the organization responsible here to Chicago. Yes, it seems they've chosen this city as their headquarters, though I must say I'm baffled as to why. We're Midwesterners, Mr. Flemish, the only people more easily embarrassed than the English. Of course, it all makes sense now. You are all unfailingly polite. And it explains why there hasn't been a single incident in France. What do you mean? Those people have no shame. Amen to that. <laughs> Look at me, I'm pulling a rope. Look at me, I'm walking against the wind. Look at me, I'm stuck in a box. No, you're not. You're on the sidewalk, in my way, wearing that creepy clown makeup. Then why don't you talk? I say, is he all right? He has a thing about mimes. Don't we all? Sorry. Where were we? I need someone local to help me investigate the occurrences and assist me in bringing down the organization. The mayor recommended the two of you. He did? He did? I mean, <clears throat> of course he did. I want you to help Flimflam here. Flemish. And bring me back the story of the century. No other paper will have it. We'll scoop them all. And stop a global organization standing in the way of equality, freedom, and progress. And help create a more just society, increasing individual autonomy and bringing us all closer together in the spirit of brotherhood and understanding? Wednesday, if I may. Mm-hmm. And thus help increase the number of people able to afford newspaper subscriptions. Mm. Why didn't you say so? Oh, we have to find these criminals and crush them! For the good of society! Yes, quite. 
So, where shall we start? We can check with some informants of ours. We also have a description of a man seen at the scene of all the crimes. Though up till now we've been unable to find him. If I may ask a rather indelicate question, is there a knocking shop about? Probably. Though I don't see how buying door accessories is going to help us find the culprit. No, no. No. I believe you refer to it as a sporting house. Oh, Wrigley Field's nearby, but, um... That's not what he's talking about. Sorry, Flip-Flop. Flemish. But morning here ain't worldly like we are. There's one in the back of Phil's saloon out on Division. Excellent. Though, I don't know how talking to a bookie's gonna help. What? Oh, I, I see. I still haven't made myself clear. I mean a house of ill repute. Oh! Right. Right. There's LaRue's retreat, but why? If one is looking for a man, where better? Oh! Right. Right. I suggest Mr. Rockwell speak with his informants while Miss Morning and I speak with the madam. That's... An excellent idea. An excellent idea. Apparently, that's an excellent idea. Good. Glad that's settled. Now get out there and get me that story! I really hope that somebody figures out... Somebody Well, now, shall we? Mr. Flemish? Ah! Faster than anyone would have thought possible, Ian Flemish charged Wally Winchell and placed the unsuspecting reporter in a perfectly executed half-Nelson. Theo and Wednesday were taken aback. <gasps> See? And Wally protested quite vehemently. <laughs> Though not very comprehensibly. Not to worry, won't be a tick. Ian, let him go! Are you mad? This blunder was clearly trying to attack us. That's Wally Winchell. He wakes here. He does? Yes! You do? <coughs> oh, I say, so sorry. Ian quickly let go of Wally. <coughs> Wally, are you okay? Speak to us, Winchell. I'm all right. I'm all right. Terribly sorry, old chap. Uh, reflexes, you know. Result of leading a life of danger. I completely understand. I just wanted to offer my assistance. Oh? Wally's been out in front of this since the beginning. Wonderful. Mr. Winchell, you accompany Mr. Rockwell to speak to his informants, while Miss Morning and I pursue other lines of inquiry. Shall we, Wednesday? You should probably get to it before then. Take the boy out of the joke-a-day column. Theo, away for you outside. Probably best. See what you can find out from Fifi, and we'll meet back here in an hour to compare notes. And be careful. Don't worry, Mr. Rockwell. I'll protect her. I was talking to you. Wednesday's got a blind spot on her left. If she turns suddenly, you'll end up with a gut full of typewriter. Go away, Theo. Going away! Let's be off. And don't worry, Miss Morning. We'll get to the bottom of this, or else my name isn't Flemish. 
Ian Flemish. What is that? Act one, scene three. Boom Faker. Editor-in-Chief Clemens receives accolades and attacks. While our heroes went in search of answers, closer to home, suspicious winds were blowing. It's a metaphor! Where was I? Oh, yes. Mayor Crane had called Chicago Gazette Times Herald Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens into his office for a major announcement. Mr. Clemens, I have a major announcement. I hope it won't take long. I don't like being out of the office. I get squirrely if I go too long without smelling ink. Really? It's a newsman thing. Well then, Rosa, could you come in here, please? You bellowed, Mr. Mayor? Rosa, could you please get Mr. Clements a bottle of ink? To smell. Okay, no problem. I'll be... Wait, what did you say? Uh, bring in a bottle of ink so Mr. Clements can smell it. That's what I... Th Thought you said. Ay, Dios mío, los blancos son raros. Here you go. Oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. Thank you, Rosa. You can show our visitor in now. Thank goodness. The one fellow is all right, kind of average, but the other one gives me the creeps. He keeps eyeing my nibs. The cad? I'll not stand for it. Oh, don't worry. I put them in my desk and I locked the drawer. You... did? Oh, see. Nobody's getting their hands on those. Without them, my pens are useless. Here they are, Mr. John J. Redleather, head of the American Society of News Editors. Salutations, Mayor, Editor-in-Chief Clemens. And this is, uh... Nobody important. I'm just along to deliver this to Mr. Clemens. Deliver what to me? It is my sworn duty to inform you. Look, if this about what happened at the last conference... That was settled out of court. No, you misunderstand. Relax, Mr. Clemens. You're being honored. I'm being what now? If I may proceed, it is our duty to inform you you are being considered as a finalist for the Osborne Award for Editorial Leadership in recognition of your steering the Gazette Times-Herald as a paragon of truth and even-handed reporting. Who? Me? I mean, yes, yeah, yes, of, of course, of course, me. <laughs> well, what are you waiting for? Give him the letter. Tell me, sorry, it's his first day. 
The completely average and nondescript assistant stepped forward and handed Editor-in-Chief Clemens a sealed envelope. Here you are. Congratulations. You deserve it. That's enough of that. No fraternizing with the finalists. My apologies. I'll go wait in the car. into a congratulatory speech, and Editor-in-Chief Clemens was completely overwhelmed. So it was understandable that nobody noticed the puff of white powder that flew out of the envelope when he opened it to read the letter. As the mayor droned on, And may I say that this honor comes as no surprise. Considering the atmosphere of transparency my administration has fostered... Editor-in-Chief Clemens felt an insistent itch on his nose. It intensified, until no matter what he tried, he was unable to hold back. Adieu! Blowing several papers off the mayor's desk. Dear heavens! But that insistent, annoying itch wasn't finished! Ah! Uh, this is a new tie! Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens tried to hold back, tried to exit the room. Achoo! 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 Take cover! Save yourselves! Por favor, alguien piense en tres niños! Clemens made it to the door, turned to apologize, but then... He sneezed himself right out of the room! Is everyone all right? Rosa, Mr. Redletter? I'm all right, but I need a bath. This is not the type of behavior one expects from an Osborne Award finalist. I shall have to take this into consideration. Now, oh, if you'll excuse me, I need to go home and boil my suit. How terrible for Mr. Clemens. I agree. It was strange, awkward, and humiliating. Wait! Rosa! Strange, awkward, and humiliating. Do you think... Regularly. No, I mean, do you think we've been the victim of that dastardly criminal organization? <gasps> I say, has anyone seen my assistant? He's not in the car. Turn to throwing shade for shame in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, have you longed to explore your musical side? Has the thought of playing at weddings and anniversaries filled you with an uncontrollable urge to pick up the closest object and start banging away on it? Do you think musical accompaniment might better your chances when standing on a corner singing, Hey buddy, can you spare a dime? 
If you answered yes to any of these questions, then the Wellprim School of Music and Literacy is for you. Sign up now and learn to play a wide range of highly popular instruments. From accordions to zithers, from bagpipes to theremins, the Wellprim School of Music and Literacy has everything you need to be the swingingest cat on the scene. Worried about cost? Don't be! The Wellprim School of Music and Literacy offers scholarships to any and all students. Just don't ask where the money comes from. Seriously. So get down to the Wellprim School of Music and Literacy. Education so good, it's criminal. And now, back to our story. Act 2, Scene 1. Boldsinger. Theo and Wally learn a lot from the kids, including the best place for music lessons. While Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens was regaining consciousness, Theodore Rockwell and Wally Winchell made their way to a local playground that was a well-known gathering place for urchin types in search of their immature informants. They found the group near the swings. Hey there, Mr. Rockwell. Hello there, Spunky. Kids, I came to see if you had any information about our mysterious prankster. We do. See, Hold we... On just a cotton-picking minute. Excuse me? Oh, sorry, Semolina. Hold on just a gosh darn minute. Better? Better. What's the matter, Arugula? Who's this guy? How do we know he's okay? You're awfully suspicious for a kid. You'd be suspicious, too, if you had to cut as many switches as we did. Relax, he's all right. This is Wally Winchell. He works at the paper with me in Wednesday morning. Wally Winchell? The Wally Winchell? This is incredible! I get it to be Wally Winchell! I want to shake your hand, and I won't even wipe it off afterward. Thank you? Wait, how do you kids know Wally? Is it from my insightful, probing, and trenchant articles about the unrest in Europe and its possible effects on the American life and economy? It's from the Joke a Day column, isn't it? That column was a bee's knees, Mr. Winchell. Me and Carla, my girlfriend... Not his girlfriend. ...used to laugh ourselves silly. My old man loved the jokes, even when he was sober. Them knock-knock jokes you write learn my family something new. Really? What? That you can knock on a door and hear something other than what are they doing in this neighborhood. I'm flattered. I had no idea this column meant so much to you. I'd rather be crying because I'm laughing so hard than be crying because of, well, you know, everything. But I'm sure those articles about trenches in Europe are real gut busters, too. Before this gets further afield than a cow with no sense of direction, uh, you said you had some information? We do. You see, we were... We was talking to a bunch of older kids we know who are regulars in the local precinct, if you take my meaning. Excuse me, I'm telling the story. Girls can't tell good stories. Why, you... Spunky, let Carla tell it, on account of it being her brother who gave us the information. You know, this used to be an all-right gang until you got Twitter-pated. 
Thanks, Arugula. Just call me Walter Rayleigh. Who's Walter Rayleigh? He let a woman walk on his coat so her feet didn't get muddy. Didn't that hurt his back? Pain means nothing when you're in love. <laughs> Sometimes, Arugula, you can be real cute. I'm cute? I'm cute! She says I'm cute! Anyway, my brother and some of his friends remember a fella who spent a lot of time asking them about tricks they'd play on each other and where the best place was to get gags and joke stuff. When was this? He said the fella was nosed around a few weeks ago. Right before this all started. Could he describe this man? Ah, uh, just said he was average. That's no help, especially to me. As far as I can see, y'all look alike. Really? But you, you can tell us apart, right? Of course I can, Spunky. Hey! Anyway, my brother did say they decided to follow him one night on account of them getting a creepy feeling from him. Your brother's quite prescient. No, he's back at home, grounded. So they follow this jamoke, and he ends up at a boarding house in Oak Park. Finally, a lead. Did he get anything else, like a name? Nah, just the address. Then they hot-footed it back home. Said he felt uncomfortable being that far away from civilization. But we wrote down the address for ya. Kids, you may have cracked this case wide open. I'll, um... I get this info to a friend of mine who'll check it out tonight. You got an awful lot of friends. Seems fishy. Who is he? Yeah. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who? At two, Wally. Sorry, got carried away. Uh, you're talking about the shade, right? The shade. You know the shade. Does that mean you know the vamp? Yes, I know both of them very well. Can we come? It won't get in the way. But, but he works at night. It'll be late. That's okay. We'll be real sneaky. Please, the vamp's my hero. Is that so? There is. Carla won't wear nothing without pockets. All right, all right. Meet the shade there at eight tonight. I'm coming too. Wally, we, I mean, the shade and the vamp work alone. It's already going to be crowded with all these kids. Don't you know what clandestine means? I ain't coming if they show up. It means secretive. They'll need lookout. Besides, with you and Wednesday not coming, nobody will be the wiser. I can't help but think this is setting everyone up for troublesome, yet thrillingly cliffhangery circumstances. But fine, I'll let the shade and the vamp know. Great. That means I have just enough time to get to my lesson. What lesson? Arugula is taking music lessons over at the Welprim School of Music and Literacy. That's right. It was my natural ability that won me Carla's Never heart. Never won my heart. We all suggested he learn to play an instrument instead of howling like a hungry dog. I'll have you know that was Puccini. Okay, like a hungry Puccini. So instead... I'm learning the most romantic instrument known to man. The piano? The violin? The bagpipes! You know what they say. 
If music be the food of love, play on. on a diet. How can you kids afford music lessons? They offer money boats. Huh? I think he means scholarships. That's it. Gotta run. Mr. Welp doesn't like tidiness, and today we're learning the steel guitar rag. Did he just say... He did. On the bagpipes? Yep. Oh, oh dear. dear. You can say that again. Oh, oh dear. dear. And that's why we don't trust grown-ups. Act 2, Scene 2. For your thighs only. Ian and Wednesday make a French connection. While Wally and Theo were getting the lowdown from their diminutive detectives, Ian Flemish and Wednesday morning arrived at LaRue's retreat to talk with Fifi LaRue. There they saw a familiar face. Oh, hello there. Eugene Gompers Crookshank? Funny seeing you here. Is it? No. I can't see the amusement value. She doesn't mean funny ha-ha, Crookshank. She means odd and interesting. Oh, yes, I see. That does make more sense. You have to be straightforward with these lefty types. Communists have no sense of humor. I am not a communist. I merely believe society should operate with the good of its citizens as its main concern. See? Communist. I am here. Oh, we don't need to know. <laughs> to let Miss LaRue know that were I to be elected mayor, I would do everything in my power to legalize her industry. For too long we have allowed stuffy morality to guide our legislative process. Morality has no place in politics. I wasn't aware it ever had. Well, I must be going. Good to see you again, Miss Morning. Mr. Uh, I'm Flemish. Good strong shot of lemon juice should clear that right up. Have a nice day. Watch that first step. It's a little... Uh... Slippery. I'm all right. I'm all right. Oh, hello, citizen. Would you mind calling me an ambulance? Let's go see Fifi. Wednesday and Ian made their way upstairs to Fifi LaRue's office. They found her in quite a state. Les sottes, les bêtes, deniers. Sa meritat un amsterid son Pierre sentad le salut. Fifi, what's wrong? You're in quite a state. I am sorry, Wednesday, but I just had a visit from that swine, Eugene Gompers Crookshank. I'm confused. He just told us he was here to reassure you your business would be legalized were he to win the election. Why would that anger you? I'm sorry, I do not believe we have met. You are... I'm Flemish. That's a shame. Would you like a lozenge? No, the name's Flemish. Ian Flemish. What was that? What was what? Ian's a British spy. We prefer the term agent. 
on His Majesty's Secret Service. So was I, in my youth, in a manner of speaking. So why are you angry with Mr. Crookshank? Wouldn't legalization make things easier for you? He only wants to legalize us so he can tax us. I pay less right now for certain people to look the other way than I would in legitimate taxes. But you did not come here with an impeccably well-dressed and well-groomed Englishman to listen to my complaints. How can I help you? We're looking for a man. We have a wide range to choose from. Could you be more specific? This one is responsible for the increase in strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents targeting those with a left-leaning bent. Ooh la la! I have heard of those. What does this man look like? Well, that's the problem. He's completely average. Totally unremarkable. Blends in completely. Sacre bleu! You're describing most of my clientele. It does not ring a bell, but this might. It certainly did, but I don't see how it helps. Shirley Shewell, at your service. You rang, Fifi? Oui, Shirley. Do you recall a thoroughly average man, totally unremarkable, who completely blends in? You mean Edgar? No, no, not him. Mm, Eustace? No, the other one, perhaps. Oh, you mean Dwight. No, I thought it would be him. This man may be responsible for the increase in strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents targeting those with a left-leaning bent. Oh, then it can't be any of those fellas. Why not? They all lean the other way. Oh. Besides, most of the fellas here ain't that rambunctious. They visit us because we do the one thing their wives won't. What? You mean you'll all... Listen! Listen. Oh, yes, of course. Though, now you mention it, there was a fellow here a few nights ago who dropped a joy buzz on his way out. When I tried to give it back to him, he acted all real squirrely and practically ran out of here without it. Uh, do you know where he went? Not exactly, but I do know he's staying at the Danvers boarding house in Oak Park. He told you that? Yeah, he mentioned it in passing because he was complaining about having to stay so far from the city due to not having a lot of cash. Which, by the way, is not something a lady in my line of work wants to hear. Any woman in any line of work, from my experience. But I commiserated with him having to stay all the way out in the sticks, and he slipped me the address if I ever wanted to come visit. Charlie, this is great. We... I mean, the Shade and the Vamp will want to check this out tonight. Wait, you know the Shade and the Vamp? Yes, I do. You know that? Oh, yes. Their crime-fighting prowess is well known in Britain. Their foiling of Horace Broome's highly distasteful plot to steal a new energy formula has made them heroes in the UK. Also, I personally appreciate their impeccable sense of fashion. The vamp has a definite Olivia de Havilland feel to her. Wonderful outfit. Thanks. It has pockets. I've heard! I would be most grateful if I could accompany them on their expedition. If you could arrange it. The shade and the vamp usually work alone, but I'm sure one more person won't be a bother. I'll arrange it. Excellent. Until then, I must go and change into a more appropriate tuxedo, ladies.
If that fellow were any smoother, he'd be a 12-year-old scotch. Thanks again, Charlie. Fifi, you may have cracked this case wide open. Thank you for bringing that handsome tuxedo here. He's a real English muffin. Shirley, go to your room. Aw, oh, nerds. I do apologize for that. You've met Theo, right? Act 2, Scene 3. Quorum of Low Farce. Our heroes find that Two's company hates ridiculous. Later that night, after Theo and Wednesday had informed each other about their guests... You did what? Eight o'clock saw the Shade and the Vamp parking Wednesday mornings. Nash advanced six coop around the corner from Mrs. Danvers' boarding house, out in the wilds of Oak Park, along with more than a few passengers. It was really thoughtful of Wednesday to let you borrow the Nash advanced six coop. Yes, yes it was. Though I still say I should be driving. Wednesday gave strict instructions that you were not allowed to drive. I had no idea American cars were so spacious. You barely notice two full-grown adults and four children in this back seat. Yes, I do have to talk to Mr. Rockwell about that. In fairness, he did say once Wednesday had offered the use of the car, he couldn't very well deny the kids a ride. And we really appreciate it, Vamp. Yeah, we didn't know how we was getting out of here otherwise. Our pleasure. But remember... We're the professionals. You just keep an eye out and try to stay safe. That goes for you too, Wally. What? Why do I have to play lookout if Cromwell here gets to go with you? I'm a highly trained operative of the British government. You write jokes in a newspaper. Ow! Don't badmouth Mr. Winchell. He's a genius! Yeah, I bet you don't know what you get when you cross a snowman and a vampire. What are you talking about? Frostbite! Knock, knock. This is completely... Ow! I said, knock, knock. Who's there? Little old lady. Little old lady who? I didn't know you could yodel! <laughs> Make it stop. All right, kids. Leave the highly trained operative of the British government alone. This is why we work alone, Shade. You're the one who wanted help. Can we please get on with protecting the populace now? I didn't get dressed up in my breathable action tuxedo for nothing. All right, here's the plan. Ian, you go to the front door to inquire about renting a room, keeping Mrs. Danvers busy. Wally, you watch the back of the house, while Spunky and his gang keep an eye on the front, just in case our mysterious stranger makes a run for it. The vamp and I will enter from an attic window and try to find our quarry. Everyone clear? You got it, Shade. You can count on us. Don't worry, Carla. I'll protect don't you. Don't need your protection. I still don't like it, but all right. Do try to hurry. I'm not sure how much I can find to talk about with an elderly Midwesterner. I heard Mrs. Danvers used to work for the French family, the Dehivers. Oh, 
A French maid. This might be more enjoyable then. All right, everyone. Let's go. Mrs. Danvers, I... Then he froze. What? You! Meanwhile, the shade and the vamp had just snuck in through the attic window. Unfortunately, the shade had failed to notice the large steamer trunk in the middle of the darkened room. I'm all right. I'm all right. Could we try to keep it down? We don't want to tip off the man we're after. Worry not. From here on, I'll be silent as a cat. Before or after you hit it with the daggers of darkness. Quiet, you. The shade and the vamp made their way to the trapdoor in the floor of the attic. Shade? What happened to Silent as a cat? It's not me. It's coming from downstairs. Quick! Our heroes opened the trap door and quickly and silently exited the attic. <laughs> well, quickly anyway. Watch that first step. It's a doozy. As they arrived on the first floor, they saw the house in complete shambles. Tables overturned, chairs broken, glassware shattered. And in the middle of the chaos stood Ian Flemish and Mrs. Danvers, each one holding a gun leveled at the other. Vamp, I realize that I'm not that well-traveled, but is this really how Englishmen charm older ladies? What is going on here? Shade, Vamp! Stay back. Mrs. Danvers isn't who you think she is. Who is Mrs. Danvers? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? What is her relationship with Ian Flemish? That's a rather impertinently personal question. And just what does she have to do with the mysterious stranger? Nosy, aren't you? These questions, or a reasonable facsimile thereof, will be answered on next week's thrilling conclusion to throwing shade for shame. Here's a sneak listen to next week's episode. Oh yeah! This has been Throwing Shade, sponsored by the Wellprim School for Music and Literacy. Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's premier storefront theater, Eclectic Full Contact Theater, reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash EFCT. 
and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month. So support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network. Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Cluster F***, Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. There's something for everyone. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pond. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Hull, Serena Johnston, Noelle Kleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, Monica Safflick, and Julian Serna. Our Foley artist is Lori Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Hull. And I'm your narrator. Noel Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina, Tina Shalamani. Tune in next week. Same, 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 same time. time. Same.